Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with another edition of The Hawani Show. We got a very exciting one, a very eclectic one coming your way. But before we get to all of that, I've told you about our good friends over at DraftKings, right? You know DraftKings. You love DraftKings. Well, it just so happens that as the host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, my colleagues right here at ESPN, Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, and Daniel Dopp, tell you the very best fantasy football strategies so you yes you can win money playing in your leagues or on sites like DraftKings. fantasy focus is a daily show it is one of espn's most popular podcasts and it is guaranteed to make you laugh each and every time so i strongly suggest you check out the fantasy focus football podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast and while you're there remember to tell them your boy the nose Okay, on to today's show. And remember, as always, listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show. in your life on this Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the program. And as always, we are presented by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Root for those with a fighting spirit. My friends, like I said at the top, we have a very fun, exciting, and eclectic show for all of you. Later in the program, we'll hear a little bit of my conversation with one of the all-time greats in the world of the NFL, Marshawn Lynch. Yes, in fact, he is uh, transitioning into the world of martial arts. I'll tell you a little more about all of that. We will also hear from one of the all-time great characters in the history of the sport and one of the men who I believe is a pioneer of mixed martial arts, certainly from Brazil. He is the one and only Valid Ishmael. He is the manager of one Paulo Bohashinha Costa, who, of course, faces Israel Adesanya this Saturday at UFC 253 for the undisputed middleweight title, but he has been around this game a long, long time. A former fighter turned promoter, now manager as well. Also the manager for Davison Figueiredo, who is the uh, UFC flyweight champion. And on top of all that, one of the great characters in the history of this sport. Just an unbelievable character with a lot of energy and just always so fun. And longtime listeners of the MAR will remember Valid. He has had some classic appearances on the show. Let me just say, he doesn't uh, he doesn't require a lot of questions. He just kind of goes off on his own, and, and, and it's a lot of fun. So we'll talk to him about the Costa fight, the exchange in the hallway earlier this week in Abu Dhabi, and all that stuff and more. Later, I'll talk a little more about 253. But for now, let us say hello to the one and only Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler, of course, uh, recently signed with the UFC. He's involved in this weird scenario at 254, backup fighter. Will he fight? Will he not fight? All this stuff and more. Of course, the multi-time Bellator lightweight champion fought for them on August 7th, uh, fought out his deal, and then ended up signing with the UFC last week. We talked to Michael Chandler now on the program about – Uh, signing with the UFC, leaving Bellator, his time in Bellator, and will he, in in fact, fight on October 24? All that and more right now in my conversation with Michael Chandler. He is the one and only Michael Chandler, who is kind enough to give us some time here on this Wednesday, and I'm so happy that he is doing so because he has been making the media rounds. I mean, you have talked to everyone under the sun, Michael, and now you have uh, carved out a few minutes for your old pal, Ariel. Thank you so much for doing this. You're, you're welcome, man. You're, you're very, very welcome. You know, I just I had to barely, barely carve out some time for you. <laughs> this is like when you're, you know, juicing, you know, like when you're doing like a, an orange juice and there's only like a little bit left. I'm trying to squeeze at the last. I mean, you've talked to every, I mean, everyone, like First a kid all, starting his own blog. First of I'm, all, that's not true. I'm the shriveled up orange here with a little bit of juice left. Orange peel. You're like, maybe I can get a little bit of <laughs> yes. vitamin C out of this just shriveled up orange peel. I think it's been sitting in the refrigerator for a couple of days. No, that's not true. Numerous articles have come out as if I was speaking to a bunch of media outlets, but I think they were just taking stuff from Instagram lives and stuff I was doing. You know, you're my favorite. Just don't uh, tell anyone else. No one okay. else can see this, right? Okay. No, no one's going to see this. Okay, Absolutely good. not. Good. Um, well, first things first, congratulations. This is a really big deal. I know it's something that's been on your mind for quite some time. I want to start here. August 7th, you beat Benson Henderson. 
Mohegan Sun. Yeah. When you left the cage that night, did you know it would be your last time walking out of a Bellator cage? I think I did. I did, you know, and, and, uh, and it's, and it's so interesting hearing everybody's perspective, you know, everybody thought it was just a, a ploy for me to try to get more money from Bellator or a ploy to, to try to, you know, drive the price up. But, you know, I had a phenomenal run in Bellator. Bellator is very much who they are, the organization that they are because of the fights that I put on. And, and I am who I am because of the promotion and the opportunities that they afforded me. Um, it was very much a great symbiotic relationship for a decade. Uh, I believe I was, I, I tried my best to be the best employee I possibly could for them. And you, and you heard it in my post-fight speech. You know, I even got a little bit choked up, man. One, one, a, one, a guy who was near and dear to my heart, Mike Sarnowski was holding the microphone for that last, that last, you know, post-fight speech. And, and I really truly meant it that every single heartbeat in that entire organization from the front of the house to the back of the house, to the people that are checking us in, to the medicals, to, to all the people I've been on the phone with for the last 10 years, these people have, have touched my life and impacted my life in ways that, that the, the fans and the, the media will, will never know. Um, but I think, I think I had made up my mind that I was probably going to make a change and it was going to take a, you know, uh, either a really crazy offer or, you know, just a, a big time change of heart. Uh, at that moment, when I walked in, outside that cage, it was it was the hardest moment of my life because it was the it was the craziest moments of my life, you know, leading up to one of the biggest pressure filled situations. But I, I think I knew. Why did you feel like you had to make a change? Why now, um, as opposed to in the past? And 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 even if they gave you a good deal, it seemed like they always treated you well. You were for a long time the face of Bellator. Dare I say? Why did you feel like you had to make a change now? You know, it was. Sometimes in life, I think doors start to open and things start to manifest themselves, whether it be outside circumstances or, or internal feelings, internal desires. And I think uh, I could just see things changing, see things maturing. And it wasn't a maturation process as in I outgrew Bellator, but it was, it was just things weren't looking the same to my eyes, to my mind's eye, in my heart, in my spirit. Um, and truthfully, when I've been in this sport now for 11 years, I always told, I, you know, 10 years ago when people asked me, how long are you going to fight? I say, I'm going to, I'll probably retire by the time I'm 35. At this point, I can't see myself retiring anytime earlier than 37, 38, 39 years old. I feel better at 34 than I did at 24. So when you're firing on all cylinders, when you're feeling the best you've ever felt and you go out and you dispatch a guy like Benson Henderson and knock him out, I knew if I had, especially if I had a dominant performance, I was going to be put in a, in pole position to be able to make, whatever decision I wanted to. And when you, when you have options in life, my manager, Dave Martin always says this options in life are a good thing, especially in this sport. And we knew we were going to have options and, and uh, you know, we went through the free agency process and here we are, man, hopefully uh, October 24th. So uh, we've seen people roll the dice and fight out their contract, but then they lose that last one, right? You rolled the dice, fought it out and won and won in impressive fashion. How nervous were you before that fight in the locker room on, on, on Friday, on Thursday, that week in Connecticut, how nervous were you considering the stakes? This was arguably one of the biggest fights of your life, considering what could happen if you win in impressive fashion. The, yeah, for sure. The biggest fight of my life. And, 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 and I just, I'm extremely blessed with, with a phenomenal competitor's mindset. Whenever that, whenever that fight day comes and I get that, that hard workout in the morning and then it's time to go, you know, throughout the rest of my day, go get wrapped up, go to the locker room. I'm, I'm locked in. I'm ready to go compete. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lion ready to get, get, um, get inside that cage and go. Uh, but the 12 weeks leading up to that fight was some of the hardest emotional roller coaster I've ever been in my entire life. So to paint a picture really quickly, numerous teammates testing positive for COVID-19, coaches testing positive for COVID-19. You've spoken to dozens and dozens of fighters who everyone was testing positive for COVID-19. I'm in Florida. It's a crazy hotspot for COVID-19. It's the last fight on my contract. Not only do I need to win this fight, but I need to look good. I'm fighting a guy in Vincent Henderson who has a knack, who is very, very good at making guys not look good. He, he has a knack for making world-class fighters not look that good. Even if you beat them, it's hard to dominate Benson Henderson. Um, so a ton of pressure in that regard, uh, a ton of pressure for, from essentially, you know, saying no to Bellator's offer. You know, when you say no to an offer, you're essentially saying, Hey, I, I betting on myself and I can go get, get some, something better elsewhere or go watch me, watch me and see what I do inside that cage August 7th. And then we'll come back and talk. So it took a lot of, you know, cojones to do that. Um, and so it was just a ton of pressure. Um, I, and I think I'd be lying if, if I didn't say it affected me, but luckily on fight day, 
in that moment, I think it all manifested itself in my post, my post fight celebration when I just screamed, yes, <laughs> you know, five times in an empty arena. So it sounded extra, extra loud. And I sounded extra, extra, extra psycho. Um, but I think that was the moment where all the weight was lifted. The 6,000 pound gorilla was off my chest. And at that moment, nothing bad could go wrong anymore mm. for me. A, not to get a paycheck. B, not to look impressive going into free agency. Uh, and it all worked out well. Thank God. Going into that fight, when was the last time they offered you a deal? Uh, we had spoken months before, you know, uh, and, and that's what my manager had said, Dave Martin, said, hey, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate uh, up until that, that cage door closes and that bell rings. But as soon as that bell rings, you know, you can't unring that bell and Mike, Michael's going to go out there. He's going to do what he does and he's going to become a free agent. And he's, gonna, and he's going to make the best decision for himself, his wife and his son. And, and uh, it was a couple months before. Um, and, you know, we never got, never got a deal done, obviously. Were you at all insulted that you didn't get a deal done? No, because, you know, if, if you look at adverse experiences or adverse, adverse uh, circumstances in life, but something good comes out of them, were they really adverse circumstances or were they just predestined doors to be closed that would eventually get, help you make the best decision possible with the information that you had? Now, imagine Bellator offers me a phenomenal deal and I'm just chomping at the bit to sign it and I'm excited about it. I don't sit here and talk to you about now signing with the UFC and me truly believing that I'm going to be the UFC lightweight champion in the next 12 months. You know, sometimes, and I think that's what's happened. And that, and that was my conversation that I had with Dana when we spoke was that, you know, it wasn't because I, I ne had never fought for the UFC, not because I didn't want to. I've wanted to fight for the UFC for a long time. It just never worked out that way. And then contract negotiation after contract negotiation happened. And I was extremely happy and I was extremely taken care of. And Bellator knew I, I, I had made myself an indispensable asset to Bellator. And, and, you know, they needed me from a business standpoint. They liked me as a person. And, you know, we always got a deal done. This time that door closing or, or them not making an offer turned out to be what, what needed to happen and it, it worked out perfectly. And, and, and here we are. And I, I couldn't be happier to be sitting in this, in this spot right here. Um, excited about five weeks from now. Uh, you're one of the few guys who was at the top in the Bjorn Bellator days and top of the Scott Coker Bellator days, which era did you like better? Uh, you know, they were definitely different. You know, I, I, I think back to a bunch of really great memories from the Bjorn era. I mean, that was, that was when I became who I was, you know, the Michael Chandler who came out of nowhere was a thousand and one thousand and nothing underdog against a guy named Eddie Alvarez, who was top three in the world at the time. And I go out there and finish him. And, and, and with that riding the wave of, of all of that. And then you got a guy like Scott Coker who came in and, and I'll never forget. I, I flew up to San Jose. As soon as he took over, we sat down at a coffee shop, a cafe, had breakfast at San Jose some morning, one morning when he took over and we just talked, we talked about philosophy. We talked about what he was going to do with the promotion. We talked about him, him building the promotion and Scott Coker, Rich Chu, Mike Kogan. And then, and then Rich Chu had always been uh, Scott Coker's right hand, right hand man through the strike force days. One. And then Mike, Mike Kogan comes in who I hadn't worked with a ton. And then Mike Kogan uh, is an extremely impressive individual who, who came in and, and was helping out a ton as well. So um, I would say the newer regime, you know, where Bellator is positioned right now with their staff, with their credentials, with their expertise in the, in the market there, you know, they're a good organization. Uh, they know what they're doing. And uh, I would say the new regime I liked fighting for better. After August 7th, did they ever try to re-sign you? Did they make you a serious offer? Um, I think they, they did, but th they wanted to, but we also, we already had made our decision. We said we will negotiate with you all the way up until that bell rings. And as soon as mm -hmm. that bell rings, you can't unring the bell. And then two minutes and nine seconds after that bell rang, I'm not, and Benson Henderson was unconscious and uh, the rest is history, as they say. And there really wasn't much of a reason. You know, we had that exclusive negotiation period. That was probably the longest two weeks of my entire life. You know, I'm, I, I just spent 12 weeks away from my family and I wanted to go on vacation, give my time and my, my love and my service to my wife and my son who I hadn't seen in so long. But all I could think about was when's that phone going to ring? When's the letter going to come through? What, what's going to happen next? You know, this story is just now heating up and getting started. Um, but you know, we knew, we knew we really weren't going to entertain an offer. Um, of course, you know, money talks and offers talk. I mean, they could throw a crazy number out there and be like, okay, well now you got my attention. But for the most part, we wanted to hear what the UFC had, to, had, to, had to offer, had to say what PFL, what one FC and ultimately here we are.
So we'll get to UFC in a second, but how, how close were you with the PFL? I know you talked to PFL. How close were you with them? With one championship, you could do the, uh, the Eddie Alvarez fight. How close were you with those guys? Close? I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really say close. I mean, we had offers, you know, yeah. um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we were close. I think, you know, at the expense of, of not sounding like I wasn't taking the other offers seriously, I knew where my heart wanted to go. I knew my heart wanted to be sitting right here doing this interview with you with a, a UFC, uh, hopefully title on the line soon or a fight in the UFC soon. I, that, I knew in my heart, that's what I wanted, but what you want and what you get isn't always, uh, doesn't always happen. And it's not always the same thing. PFL, Peter Murray, those guys, extremely impressive. It was awesome. Awesome to, to sit across the table with them. Uh, one championship as well. Um, but ultimately it felt like home when I flew to Vegas and I sat, sat with Hunter Campbell, and spoke to Dana, um, it felt like I was, it felt like I was home. It felt like everything over the last 11 years had been preparing me and fashioning me and galvanizing me, beating me down and building me back up for this moment, this opportunity and in, in signing this contract. You could have fooled me with the interview part. I mean, talk to everyone before you talk to me. I mean, I just had to stick that one in there, but that's okay. On, it's man. okay. <laughs> on, man. Um, when you, you talk about meeting Dana, was that the first time you've ever met him face-to-face, had a serious conversation with him? Um, I, I think back, and I, I can't remember, but I, 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 so I, I cornered Miles Jury a couple times. I cornered a couple other guys. I think one time I was holding Miles Jury's clothes, and I walked up on the weigh-in stage, and I shook his hand one time real quick or whatever, or maybe he came in the back. But, no, I never really had many conversations or any conversations with Dana. Um, so this was the first time. And then Hunter Campbell as well. Hunter Campbell is an extremely impressive guy. Um, the sports – franchise that these guys are building and, and, and running right now is just ridiculous. And it's, uh, it's awesome to be a part of it. Can you paint that picture for me? What is that, that first real meeting like? I'm assuming it's in Vegas. You're in the office. It's an impressive new headquarters they have there. It's Dana White. It's Hunter Campbell, the right-hand man. It's your chance to finally make that move to the UFC. You're a free agent. You got multiple suitors. What is that day like for you? What is that meeting like for you? And, 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 and if you can add, what was it like when you walked out of the room as well, when you went back to your hotel, back on the plane? Um, so I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some of it. I'm not going to give you all the information. Oh, come on, Mike, give us all of it for God's I'll sake. There's no more interviews to do. This is your last chance. Someday you'll, you, someday you'll, we'll, we'll be able to appreciate it, appreciate this. But um, so I actually didn't meet with Dana. I met with Hunter Campbell. So we, we were there, we had this meeting set with Hunter Campbell and uh, we were going to, and, and Dana was hopefully going to be there. And it turns out, I think Dana was there, but then he had to go catch a flight real quick. So we sat with, with Hunter Campbell for about an hour. As I said, I felt like I was home. You know, I, I felt like, and, and you, uh, and we, we'll get to it in a second, but if this had been two years ago, I wouldn't have been ready for that meeting. Four years ago, this wouldn't have been ready for that meeting. That's why you have to employ, employ extreme patience in order to get what you really want in life. Because if I have that meeting two years prior, four years prior, maybe it doesn't go as well. Maybe I'm not, I'm not sitting here and we're talking about it. At that moment, it, when, I, when given that opportunity, um, searching for that kind of wisdom in, an, in, an, in a meeting, the biggest meeting of your entire life, um, it went extremely seamlessly. Um, Hunter was, was telling me why I needed to come to the UFC. I was telling him why, how he... And Dana have never in their entire existence at, at, with the UFC signed a guy who was more equally yoked with the organization, with the brass, with the mission of what the UFC is, um, and how they've never signed a guy who's going to work as, as hard inside the cage and outside of the cage as I am. And that's just who I am. That's what I've always been. With me, you get what you, with me, you, get what you see. And uh, I am who I am, and I say what I, say what I mean, uh, and I mean what I say. And uh, after leaving that meeting, um, you know, my manager was with me there, Randall Alleman. He was in the meeting with me. He was corresponding with Hunter a couple minutes after, said, hey, get, Dana wants his number. Dana called me a couple minutes later. We had a really great talk, um, and that talk ended up having Dana call Hunter and say, hey, let's, you know, let, let's get something done. And uh, a couple minutes later, he called me back. He said, hey, we're going to get something done. 48 hours later, we had something done. Wow. That quickly, huh? How long ago was that? Um, I want to say, I mean, shoot, I've already been in Florida now training for a week. And it, so it was two, two and a half weeks ago. 
and, think- and, and when they're sitting with you at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, it's Tony Ferguson versus Dustin Poirier at 254. You're not really in that mix, right? Are they even talking to you about the scenario that you're in now or are they talking about something else? No, not really. I mean, we, you know, obviously, you know, there's always the, the hypotheticals. Hey, you know, how's your body? How you feel? Are you ready to fight? I said, yeah, I'm ready to fight. Uh, you know, how, how about, you know, and of course they threw the things out there. Hey, we got, you know, 253 in Abu Dhabi. We got 254 in Abu Dhabi. Will you be ready for these? And I said, hey, man, I'm ready tomorrow. You know, sign me up, put me in, let's go. I'm ready tomorrow. You know, that's the beauty of, of just coming off of a training camp albeit my body was a little bit run down, a little bit beat up from, from the fight and whatnot, but I'm ready to go. Like I can, I can fight with little, little nagging injuries. So they knew I was down. They knew I was ready to fight whoever. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily talked about as in, you know, Hey, would you fight Tony Ferguson or fight Dustin Poirier? We're going to try to make it happen. It was, Hey, hypothetically, are you down to fight this date or these guys? And I said, I'll fight anybody in the top five. I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. Let's do this thing. Pull your hat down tight because I only know one speed. And they loved it. And, uh, and they said, well, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start working on some things. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So last week, what is that like for you as they finally announced that you are joining the company and there's all this stuff going on with Ferguson and Poirier and now you're the backup fighter after all this? Because I feel like maybe you like you got some backlash you're not the one making the decision you're just the guy who's saying i'll i'll take the opportunity as you should as anyone would but meanwhile you have these two very popular and likable fighters who are kind of you know banding together to try to you know get the deal that they both want um and you're kind of being in there and you're being offered to both guys and it's a it's it's a lot of drama what is that like for you because i could imagine that some people are like oh you're kind of messing this up and they're using you as leverage and all this stuff what was that like for you yeah you know you uh, you underestimate how how much you really are in the court of public opinion. You know, sometimes, especially whenever stuff like this happens, whenever these kind of when this big news breaks that hey, we've signed Michael Chandler. Oh, and by the way, UFC two fifty four back up. Meanwhile, you got these two guys who Dustin Poirier. There's and I met Dustin. It's it's very interesting. I've been in the sport now for eleven years. I've never met or been around Dustin Poirier until six weeks ago when I saw him at my fight on fight week. And I went straight up to him. I shook his hand, said, Hey man, you are a warrior. Your fight with Dan Hooker. I'm a huge fan of you, who you are as a man inside the cage, outside of the cage. You are a warrior. You are the epitome of what us fighters need to be like. He said pretty much the same exact thing about me. He's a fan of my work and follow me and blah, blah, blah. So there's a ton of mutual respect there. Tony Ferguson don't really know a ton about him. I don't necessarily feel the same way about him as I do Dustin Poirier. Um, but I respect him as, as a competitor. He's the scariest guy in the division. He is the boogeyman for a reason. These guys have a great reputation inside the sport. So, yeah, insert Michael Chandler. Insert all the different adjectives uh, and, and slandersome terms that people want to throw at me, like B-League fighter and USADA and this, that, 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 whatever. <laughs> Coupled with you haven't done anything to earn it. And I'm just like, hey, man, I'm just showing up. Preparation meets opportunity. I don't really know uh, – how you guys want me to react. All I know is I'm going to do exactly what I have set out to do since day one, train my butt off, try to be a good person, operate with integrity, show up when, where, and against whom they tell me to fight. Uh, in this scenario, it's October 24th, possibly could be Brigacci. Uh, if not, I look at it like a perfect, perfect dry run for me to go fly to Abu Dhabi, go throughout the fight week, make weight, make weight, step on the UFC scale for the first time, meet all the, all the brass, all the staff, all the people do all the, all the media stuff, all the hoopla. And maybe it's a dry run and I never, I mean, I don't fight. Maybe it's a perfect dry run for, uh, uh, or, or maybe I actually do fight, uh, but it's a perfect dry run either way. Are you getting a good deal to just make weight? We don't know yet. What do you mean you don't know yet? Nor will I tell you. Uh Oh, you, you could say you won't tell me. I hope you know. It remains to be seen. (laughs) Okay. On this one. 
what about the USADA stuff? How much does this annoy you? That was the first, everyone, oh, he's not going to pass. He's not going to pass. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, you've never failed the test. No. And, and what people don't realize is, was I under USADA and Bellator? No. But if you are the champion, the main event, uh, or fighting for the title, if you're in a title fight or, or in the main event, you were getting tested. You do the math. I was in 11 title fights in Bellator, and I was the main event two or three other times. I, it, so I know it was at least 11 times. Uh, I know I got tested in um, Japan under Mohegan Sun. My last test was a WADA full-spectrum full test, which is the exact, uh, whatever they call it, panel, the WADA full panel that USADA uses in a urine test August 7th. So I just got that done. So, I mean, you know, to me, it's, you know, you can kind of look at it both sides. Of course, it's annoying, but I don't, I don't, um, I guess, fault people for having any kind of skepticism. Number one, he doesn't pass the eye test because I guess they think athletes shouldn't look the way that I look if they're clean, allegedly. Um, secondly, I didn't, I wasn't governed by USADA. Um, and lastly, you know, people just love to hurl they will always criticize either a things they don't understand or b things that they're intimidated by. And I think the way that I look or the way that I compete um, just makes people want to say certain things. But the good thing is being in the, in the USADA pool, that's a plus. Now one year clean, it's going to be plus two years clean, three years and so on and so on. And they can say, and, and eventually people will say, man, okay, maybe the guy was clean all along. My understanding is that they haven't given up and this is my belief as well that they, they were going to do this. They haven't given up trying to find you an opponent on October 24th. What are the chances if Habib and Gaethje fight on October 24th that you are fighting as well against someone else, perhaps a Ferguson, perhaps a Poirier, perhaps someone else. But my understanding is they haven't given up. I know it was, it was sort of presented as you're the backup fighter, but my understanding is they haven't given up. What are the chances you fight someone if that fight still remains intact? Yeah. I mean, that's my understanding as well. You know, I, I'm, I'm, training for October 24th um, and I'm training every day as, as, as if my phone may ring and, and my manager calls me and says, Hey, you're fighting this guy on October 24th. Uh, and if something does happen to Gaethje or Khabib, you're also in, in that fight as well. And then they'll pivot and make a, big, a different decision. Either way, as I said, um, I've made my living off of showing up when, where, and against whom my promoter tells me to. And, uh, it's no different in this scenario. It's just on a, on a bigger stage, on, a, on probably the, arguably the biggest fight of the, of the year. Um, and you insert my name into the mix as the number one contender. Essentially, that's a pretty good spot to be. Do you have a preference? If you had your way, if, and I hope you don't take offense to this, but I hope you don't fight for the belt on October 24th because I hope something that bad doesn't happen to Habib and Gaethje. I think you can respect that, right? 100%. So, 100%. But I'd love to see you fight on October 24th because I, I think, you know, Funny story, Michael, UFC 165, which was actually seven years ago this week, I was in Toronto to cover uh, UFC 165. It was in 2013. And I remember that week, this was shortly after um, the, the uh, I think you defended the title once. You beat Eddie Alvarez. You defended the title once, maybe twice. And I said that week that you were the best lightweight in the world. Uh, a high-ranking official with the UFC, who is actually still at the UFC, came up to me. I'll never forget at the weigh-ins at UFC 165. He said, "Michael Chandler is the best lightweight in the world. Are you are you nuts?" I said, "Yes. I think right now he's the best lightweight in the world." And so it's crazy for me that you're here. Like longtime fans and people who have followed the sport have wanted to see you test yourself against the best in the the UFC's lightweight division. So I want to see you fight on October 24th. I'm just wondering if it can't be for the belt, do you have a preference who that debut is against? Um. Obviously, as I said, the deal wasn't necessarily predicated on fighting, you know, any certain any certain guys. But uh, I I love the Ferguson fight. I love the Poirier fight. I think I think you know, as I said, I don't want to come in and, and act like I need to not you know prove myself and whatnot. But I think I mean right away, why why shouldn't I fight a top five guy right away? You know, I think Poirier. I think Ferguson. Um, obviously, you got you got Connor who's retired and still in that top five. And then you got Gaethje, you got Khabib. You know, I mean, those, those are kind of the guys, right? Um, I think it would be uh, some bad luck that would befall the UFC, obviously, if I have to step in there, you know, because that means you don't get Khabib versus Gaethje. Um, but all I know is I'm going to be ready. But I would love to fight October 24th. I would love for it not to be a dry run and not just to make weight for no reason. But it, it's not making weight for no reason. Let me, you know, recant right, that right. statement. Not making weight for no reason. Um, it's It's – 
having an insurance policy on the biggest card of the year. You know, it's, it's the biggest card of the year. Um, huge fight when Khabib steps into the cage. Um, it's, it's always a, a, a huge draw. And, uh, that's the fight that I would want. Obviously, you know, you don't want the bad luck to happen, but if, if you're going to fight one of those guys, Justin Gaethje, and I said this, and, I, and I'm the kind of guy who I'm not afraid to, to say uh, respectful things about my foes or my current opponents or my, my possible future opponents, that I think Justin Gaethje looked like the best lightweight in the entire planet, on the entire planet when he fought Tony Ferguson uh, back in May. That version, that calm and composed, that smart and sharp, that, re, and re, that all altogether relentless Justin Gaethje that we saw step into the cage against Tony Ferguson was the best lightweight in the world on that night. Um, with that being said, I still think Khabib is the pound for pound number one. He's undefeated. So I would, I would want that opportunity more than I would want the Gaethje opportunity. But at this point, fighting for the UFC on Fight Island, live on pay-per-view October 24th, I'll take any of them. If, if that Gaethje shows up, you think he wins? Um, I, I don't, but I, but I think it's going to be a less dominant decision than we're used to seeing by Khabib. I think, I think uh, Gaethje's got the wrestling that will thwart that, that will thwart a lot of Khabib's early takedowns. I think um, you also got to remember too, with, with the tenacity in which Khabib moves forward and grabs your legs, puts you up against the cage, picks you up and puts you down. That's also going to make Justin Gaethje gun shy. Justin Gaethje wasn't really worried about Tony Ferguson rolling over in the Iminari role or whatever that thing is, or throwing sand in his eyes, you know, uh, he wasn't worried about that. So he was able to throw strikes freely um, and, and without many repercussions. That's not the same with Khabib. You, you overextend on a hook with Khabib, he's underneath. You overextend with the right hand on Khabib, he's underneath. You're up against the cage, you're on your back, you're in the Dagestani handcuff really quickly, and you're going to be hard-pressed to be able to get out of there. So um, I, still think, I think, still think Khabib wins, but I think it's, uh, it's a less dominant than we're used to seeing decision. Mm. Um, and at this point, so you said you're in Florida. Uh, how are things – at Sanford, has it quieted down? I mean, the outbreak and all that stuff, do you feel comfortable training there? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that's the beautiful thing because like, like I said, last training camp, every day, you know, a new person would walk into the gym or, um, or, or someone would bring their, you know, their, their, their massage therapist for after practice and you're like, why are they in here? Why are they in here? And, you know, because it, it doesn't become a friend to friend, teammate to teammate thing. It just becomes business. It becomes if you are making this decision, you're possibly uh, putting me, putting me at risk to not get my paycheck to feed my family, you know? So it's, 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 it was a hard, it was a hard thing to navigate. Now, now it almost feels like coronavirus to me doesn't even exist. Mm. Um, we're still doing the protocols. We still are um, spraying down the mats before and after every single practice. We're wearing our masks going into, going into practice. We have a world-class facility both next to us, which is Barwis Performance and Sanford Mixed Martial Arts, where we have cutting edge healthcare, cutting edge uh, staff, coaching staff and, and, and fighters. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I was just actually talking to my orthopedic, our orthopedic surgeon on staff. I was just speaking to him about um, some stuff. He's coming down here next week too. And we've all got lined up. Hey, we're going to get in to check out this ankle, this knee, this, shoulder, this elbow. Um, so to have that kind of medical knowledge around you at all times is, is nothing short of amazing. So it's, uh, yeah, the, the, the shackles are off, man. It's time to train extremely hard and, and uh, hopefully for October 24th. And speaking of which, mentally, how hard is it to train for a fight that you don't have just yet, an opponent that doesn't exist? How difficult is that? It's definitely uh, interesting. You know, it's, it's definitely something that's different. It's definitely uh, Cause, cause they are two completely different styles. It's not, it's not as though I'm fighting, uh, you know, Khabib and then another guy who, who is, you know, well-versed on the ground or Gaethje and then a, a Poirier who's a, who's predominantly a striker. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I either have really, to, you have to prepare for like four guys, right? Right. Yeah. Essentially the Poirier Ferguson, as you said, I, I, to my knowledge, I haven't been necessarily told that, Hey, we're still actively working on these guys, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure the, the fight could have the fight could happen if one of those guys makes a call. Um, so yeah, you think Poirier Ferguson, you think Khabib and Gaethje, essentially I'm just, I spend 80 to 90% of my training focused on me, my strengths, my attributes, how do I increase my strengths and how do I increase my, uh, you know, make better my weaknesses. Um, and then the last 10%, 20% of my training, we focus on watching tape and watching the little habits and idiosyncrasies of a certain fighter that we may fight or, or should be fighting. Most of the time, you know, by now, but 
in, in this case, we don't. Um, but so I'm brushing up on my cage work and my groundwork uh, for the possible Khabib matchup. And I'm brushing up on my, my striking and uh, continual wrestling, chain wrestling uh, with strikes, mix and mixing it up for a, a possible Gaethje showdown. But either way, uh, I think the best version of myself, the most confident version of myself coming off of one of the best performances of my life and now signing with, you know, the ultimate proving grounds in the UFC Getting the opportunity October 24th, I think uh, I think the best version of myself is going to come out either way and uh, seize the day, baby. Okay, just a couple of quick things before I let you go again. Thank you for the time. After all those interviews, you must be so tired of talking about this, but I appreciate you uh, carving out some time. Uh, <laughs> what what do you think of uh, Patricio Pipple's tweet after you signed? Didn't I? I, I, I it's uh, I don't really want to comment honestly because it's going to become a headline and he doesn't deserve a headline. Um, but it's all I know is let, let's talk about philosophy. Let's let's act. Let me let me let me give it. Let's talk about a philosophy. Some people have a scarcity mindset and some people have an abundance mindset. A scarcity mindset says because you, Ariel, are winning. That means you're taking away the winning from the rest of us. That means I can't win as much as I want to win because you're winning. An abundance mindset says there's enough money. There's enough popularity. There's enough. There's enough. Uh, things out there that I can go and accomplish, people can go and accomplish. And whenever I see one man have success, that doesn't mean that my success is being diminished or the possibility of me having success is being diminished. Celebrate people's accomplishments, celebrate people's uh, um, moving up in life or, or having success in life because ultimately things always work out better for you. That's all I'll say about that. Fair enough. Um, and, Right now, would it be fair to say, because I know, you know, Bellator, like you said, they treated you well. Is this the best deal of your career? Um, it's the best, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, the deal that felt the best and I made the best decision possible for myself and my family. Um, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting compensated a fair wage for my, for my services inside the cage. And that's, that's all I'll say. How many fights? A thousand. A thousand fights? My career. You said you're not here for a long time. You're here for a good time. Hey, but I gotta, you know, I gotta lock myself in at least, you know. Why? Why is everyone's? Why does everyone get so weird when I ask about how many fights? I'm not asking for how much. We all do. We all do. But that's why. There's a lot of different factors. Not the least of which is that Ariel. Sometimes you know you gotta look out for number one, and number one for me is my wife and my son. I get the decision possible to be. <laughs> <laughs> to be the best fighter, the best man, the best employee, and the best uh, everything that you possibly can. So that's where that happens. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. Last one. Last one. Uh, a lot of great fighters at Samford, right? Yep. Free agency isn't something that everyone does. It's not, a, it's not something that everyone feels comfortable doing. Given the experience that you just went through, and it sounds like you're very happy with the way it turned out, would you recommend to every fighter out there and I'm not talking about, you know, the guy in LFA trying to make it to the UFC. Obviously, that's different. But in your spot, right, uh, with your accomplishments, with your tenure, to test free agency, to, to fight out their deals and see what's out there. And maybe it's going back to the place. It doesn't mean that it's personal. It doesn't mean that you're unhappy. But just to see what's out there, given this landscape, would you recommend that? I would. And, and, and it's, and it, but it's only – it has to be the perfect storm of what have you done for, for your promotion lately? What have you done for the MMA world lately? Where are, where is your skill set? Are you are you trajectory is your trajectory forward or is it stagnant or is it going backwards? For me, I knew I was moving forward. I knew I was only getting better. I knew my name and platform was only growing. Um, so if you're in that position, I don't see why you shouldn't. Um, because yeah, is it uh is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. Is it uh is it scary? Absolutely. But nothing great in life was ever accomplished by by trying to shy away from fearful uh, or scary scenarios you know, life begins and ends at the end of your comfort zone, getting outside of your comfort zone. And trust me, I've been outside of my comfort zone a lot over the last 11 years, but this, this was definitely outside of my comfort zone and I'm reaping the benefits and the rewards of it now. And the best is yet to come. So stay tuned. Amen. Well done. Congratulations on, on the big deal. Don't forget about those people who said that you were the best lightweight in the world many moons ago. Seven years ago. I know, right? I mean, right. come on. And you've been doing it longer than that. When was that fight against Eddie? 2011 off the top of my head? 2011, nine years ago. Unbelievable. Here you are, 34 years young, ready to go, potentially fighting for yeah. the belt. If not, a big nine fight on a, on a big show. A lot of good things coming your way, and you deserve it, Mike. So congratulations on the deal. Congratulations on everything happening, and, and good luck in training. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And now let us say hello to the man who discovered Paolo Bohashinia many moons ago. Mm-hmm. And he's with him in Abu Dhabi as he prepares for his first UFC title fight. The one and only, the incomparable, the often imitated, never duplicated, <laughs> the legend, Valid Ishmael. Valid, it's been a while, my friend. How are you? Wonderful, man. Wonderful. I'm happy to be here. And let's go talk about this war. It's going to happen on September 26th. It's going to be amazing, man. The atmosphere here in Abu Dhabi is unbelievable. I love it. Let me ask you, when did you first meet Paulo? Do you remember? Yes, it was in Jungle Fight. He came to fight. And he he beat a guy is undefeated as well. Was funny because the, the guy put my friend to say, "Hey, Valid, you wanna put the power against my guys? Wait, this is what I wanna. My guy is undefeated." I said, "Okay, it's gonna be a great fight." And the Paulo beat the guy in the first round in three minutes. In the end of the fight, Paulo asked for the belt. I said, "Fuck you, crazy! You fight, you fight one time in jungle fight to ask for the belt. Come on, man." <laughs> Now you're gonna see I'm gonna be the champion. And he was the champion. <laughs> After he fought twice and get the belt. And the history of Paul is crazy, man. He almost not come to USC. Almost. What do you mean? We get the deal for Japan. Mm-hmm. Almost the deal make. Like was the was for fight in December. And the Japan called me and say, hey, we need to postpone his fight for March. I said, hey, man, the guy sell his car to do the camp. He sell everything to do this camp for this fight. And the guy said, hey, Valid, you can help him to pay his camp, but you're just going to put him to fight March. And I call Mick. I say, Mick, this guy is one of the best fighters I ever saw in my life. And you know, I found this business in the beginning. When I tell you I never see somebody like him, you need to believe me. You're going to lose him to Japan. He's supposed to fight in Japan, and Japan cancel. And the mix say, okay, Valid, they're going to get Paulo, Borrachinha. I call Borrachinha and say, hey, I just talked to Mick, and the Mick wants you. And Paulo, where's the contract? I say, relax, man. When you actually say one thing, you can count. These guys have words. I said, Bovali, they need the contract, man. It cannot happen again. I said, don't worry, man. You know what I mean? We'll have, we'll have lunch. I said, don't worry. When we have to give his word, forget about it. And this happened. We have to send the contract, and the rest is the history. And you, you guys going to see on Saturday one of... I, I truly believe the, the Paulo Costa is not just going to be the champion. He's going to be one of the best fighters for all time. Because the Paulo Costa, the raise discipline, the focus, the desire he had, man, I never seen in my life. Wow. So when you saw him first in 2015, when he signed with Jungle Fight, did you believe that he would turn into this? Or did it take you some time to believe that he would be as great as you thought, or as you say he is today? In the first fight, I saw he's different. Believe me, I have about a thousand guys in jungle fight in Brazil. Jungle fight is like a minor league. It's like a, in soccer, we call Libertadores da America. It's like a South America championship. You know what I mean? I discovered the guys to put in UFC. And when I saw him the first time, I said, hey man, this guy is different. When he, he fights for the second time, I said, hey, he's something. And I went to lunch with him. And after he got the belt, 
and they put him to fight in Japan. And Japan, like, cancel the fight. I never go out to the fighters. My life, who follow me in the Instagram is going to say my life is crazy. By the way, follow me on Instagram, W-A-L-L-I-D-J-F-C. Yes. And who follow me is going to see I travel every week, you know what I mean, in Brazil to do the jungle fight, to see the fighters train. And I went to the lunch with him. I said, hey, man, I really believe you have a bright, bright future, a great future. Man, you're going to be fine. Believe me. One, when I called Mick, and Mick accepted him to fight. This when I saw him, you know what I mean? After he got the belt, I really see he is a real deal. Mm. Because in jungle fight, I'm not a coach. I'm not managing the guys when he is in jungle fight. That's when he gets the belt. And when Paulo gets the belt, man, he ready to fight in, in, in the World Cup because I call UFC the World Cup of MMA. Mm. And now he's finally fighting for the belt against Israel Desanya on, on Saturday, September 26th. Um, and, and there's a lot of bad blood between them. Could you describe how Paulo feels about Izzy? Because Izzy has accused him of being on steroids and called them names. Uh, you were with him. And, and, man, I mean, what is it like? Man, I'm going to tell you, man. Tell me, tell me. Was the funniest thing we ever like happen every time we have to say, oh you need to walk with security security I'm not going to walk with us come on <laughs> we come to we come from the jungle <laughs> we don't need security and we went to the first day we went to make the test the second day test yeah and they went there when you come back for the test Badoy the box coach hey they are the Sanya and the Paulo passed for it. They said, hey, how, what, what's up? Something like that. And I said, what? hey, what's up? And Pat go to the elevator. And the guy said, is that the same? Oh, is that the same? Yeah, the same. Come here. Come here. Oh, come on. This is the time we're feeling. Who is really, you know what I mean? Everything he said, he, he mean business. And when you look to Paulo and say, hey, you're looking good. Something like that. Like that. You're looking good. You look good, skinny. like that. Looking skinny saying. or something? No, no. This was after. Oh, okay. This okay. was after. You see, yeah. You say you. No, I like. I No, no. I like. I like you. I thought, What you like me? Like that? What you like me? I say no. I like you skinny. And Paul say no. I never skinny. I'm lean. I think that I'm fit, but I never skinny. Like you know what I mean? And okay, okay, bye, bye, bye. And we go out and say, hey, man, I cannot believe the guy is scared. Because in the first match, in the first time the guy see each other, Adesanya disappointed. Mm. He like, you know, you're not going to fight. You know, it's a business. For sure, the guys hate each other. But you feel if the guy is real or not. For our camp, Adesanya is not real. Wow. I tell you, in the bottom of my heart, yes. you know what I mean? Like, our impression of him, if Paulo looked to him, say he's not that tall. I think he lied about the, his, his size. Wow. <laughs> this is what you think was so disappointed. But believe me, Paulo is focused. You know why Paulo is so confident? He makes five months of camp. This camp was amazing. The first time the UFC offered Paulo to fight was July 18. We, Paulo said yes. After August, push for September. Ours will say yes. And now, finally, September 26 is next Saturday. Man, it's gonna be a war. If Adesanya think he's playing nice guy, Paul is gonna be nice to him. Paul is gonna brutalize him. I really believe Paul is gonna spunk him. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How do you see it playing out? Short fight, long fight, back and forth fight? What do you think? I'm going to tell you. Tell me. Paulo is ready for anything. He's ready to be a long fight. He trained for do five rounds. But he really believes he's going to destroy Adesanya in the first round. But he prepared to do five rounds. You know what I mean? He believed his mind, his mind is going to destroy Adesanya in the first round. Wow. But he really prepared to do 10 rounds. If you see this kid, how this kid trained, you cannot believe how fast is he is. He is right now. If we talk about not gaining a lot of weight, we don't want to gain a lot of weight because he's so fast. Like you want to keep almost like that for you have an idea how good he feels right now. He said, Valid, we just talk now. Say, I, I, I have 91 kilograms right now. It's like about 200, yes, 200 pounds. You know, in another... In another camp today, uh, Tuesday, I have 205. I'm wow. very five pounds before last to a normal camp. Do you see how prepared Paulo Costa is right now? Man, we're so excited for this fight. And I tell you the truth, was really disappointed when Adesanya really like i don't know explain man i really think we prefer think it was a game for adesanya because he cannot look so scared like that he cannot look we think it's a game because he cannot look so different to what he talk on tv because if he show i ask adesanya please show oh because have the guy film him all the time show the whole situation because you saw, he just saw, he, he just showed when he passed by Paulo, say, up, up, hi, hi, hi. He not show when you call him back, hey, Adesanya, come here. Talk to him. I challenge Adesanya to show to everybody everything what happened. Because the people going to see, going to judge who is scared or who you want to is a real deal. And Valid, for you, if Paulo wins on Saturday, you'll have two champions in the UFC because you also have Davison Figueiredo, the new flyweight champ. This guy dresses so nice. Uh, Davison Figueiredo so- is going to kill Corey Nochin. Corey Nochin going to fight a knockout artist. I fight for this fight. I tell you the truth. Because I want to Davidson, destroy Corey no team. And the Corey. But you let's go focus on, on Paulo because <laughs> okay. this fight is going to be historic. Because Paulo don't like Adesanya, but now we think how Adesanya is, like, is, is hard to analyze. For us, Adesanya play a game. Mm. Because he cannot be afraid like that. But he's a good he, fighter, right? He's going to mess up in the seen, next time. You've seen fighting, right? You have to say he's a good fighter, right? Is he, I mean, he, he's very talented. I'm going to tell you the truth, man. Tell me. He's tell a me. talent. He's a county guy. You know what I mean? He's a when what? the guy is a punch counter. counter. Oh, counter striker. Counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, counter striker. Yeah. The counter striker. If Paulo, if not if, Paulo is not going to give way to him to be a counter-striker. Paulo is going to destroy him. You know, people don't understand. I never see my life 
the guy have the fight, the ability Paul has. And the mind, fight mind. You understand? Mm-hmm. His mind is the fight, the killer. And now on Saturday, the Warriors management, my company called Warriors Management, is going to have two UFC champions, Paulo Costa and Davidson Figueiredo. And uh, Amanda Lemos coming. Is the girl coming? Amanda Lemos. She has two fights, not three fights, but in the 115, have two fights, two wins. And man, we have so many guys, man. I'm going to tell you the truth. He just a beginner because who love MMA gonna see the sport explode and we are in Abu Dhabi that's great Ariel we are in the place you know today I, I went to my, my Instagram I say hey look these people lived in the tent 100 years ago my people 100 years ago now he's building the city look at the city look how amazing is the place here? You know what I mean? And now Abu Dhabi is the capital, world capital of MMA. This is amazing. Valid, always a pleasure, my friend. You got me so excited for the fight on Saturday. I knew you would do it. I knew I needed a little shot of Valid in my life. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's just a beginning, my brother. Yes. You know what I mean? Easiest it's interview of my life. Beginning. Ask three questions and you take the rest. I love it. No, man, because, you know, I found this sport in, before this sport. This is the people like you asking, who you know who you are? Man, I'm the ha- hassle guy. You know what I mean? I love this sport. You know what I mean? I love to come in. I, when I put everything together, I told Hunter, Hunter, don't let me be out for this time, man. With Dave, so have so much problem, like I not came because the coronavirus. But now I did the test twice. Don't let me down. And I love Hunter, man. Say Hunter or something, like my accent's bad. And they say, you know, me take care of me, man. I glad to talk to you because you know I'm your big fan because you always say that you you always clear in the sport, man. And help the sport to grow even Obrigado. more. Obrigado. Thank you, Valido. And, and, and even speak Portuguese, my brother. Yes, bom dia. And uh, I'll say, uh, if, if all goes well on Saturday, parabéns. But for now, good luck. I don't know how, how you say good luck in Portuguese. How do you say good luck? No, man. I, you know, luck. Most I work, more luck I have. You know what I mean? Yes. This is a luck. Luck is a hard work. Luck is that you have a desire, you have a focus, you have a faith and discipline. This is a lock. This is what Amen. I believe. Amen. Thank you, Valid. <laughs> okay, my brother. Thank you very much. And let's go. Hey, you watch this interview. You're going to see a war on September 26. You're going to see Two guys like, you know, I'm going to repeat, hate each other, but one has the desire to destroy, and the another one, I believe, is going to mess up. Because in the first meet, Paul and Burrachinha was disappointed. And I'm going to ask him again, Adesanya, please put the full footage for the people who, make the judgment who is care or who is really business come from the business come from you know what i mean come for everything man everything or nothing this how we play and it's gonna be everything it's gonna be the ufc belt the second ufc belt for warriors management on september 26th This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The God I love talking to Valid Ishmael. I mean, the guy it just sits there and talks for 11 straight minutes. I don't have to do anything. I think I asked like three questions in that entire interview. What a great character. What a great fight on Saturday. Again, it's 19-0. Israel Adesanya going up against Paulo Costa, 13-0, just the second time in modern day UFC history. I feel like I've said this now a million times, but I'll say it one more time. Two undefeated male fighters fighting for an undisputed title. Last time it happened, only time it happened, UFC 98, Rashad Evans against Leota Machida. Plus, you got Jan Bohovic going up against Dominic Reyes. You heard from them over the past month or so right here on the show for the vacant light heavyweight title. I'm looking forward to that. First time in nine years that someone not named John Jones or Daniel Cormier is the light heavyweight champ, so that's very interesting, and I think it's going to be a great fight. The king without a crown, Dominic Reyes, returns to action. You got Kaikar France. You got Caitlin Vieira returning. Hakim Dawudu, who's always a lot of fun. And what about Diego Sanchez returning with Stefan Bonner, of all people, in his corner? Four members of City Kickboxing on the card, so there's something for everyone on Saturday and the action kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN plus and ESPN two. And then the main card, of course, 10 p.m. Eastern only on ESPN plus pay-per-view. Yes, they'll be fighting in the middle of the night. And this is one of many cards this week going on in MMA Uh, cage warriors doing three shows, September 24th, 25th and 26th back to back to back so that they can make up for lost time. Bellator back in Milan, Italy, UFC 253, on Saturday, Ryzen returning on September 27th, Sunday, technically late night Saturday. So there's just so much going on in the world of MMA. But of course, the big one is 253. Back in Abu Dhabi. We're going, going, back, back to Abu Dhabi. Anyway, at the top of the show, I mentioned that I spoke to Marshawn Lynch. You've probably heard of Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, in case you haven't heard of him, is one of the all-time greats in the world of football. He's one of the best running backs of all time. He uh, most recently was seen playing for the Seattle Seahawks. This year, he's out of the league. His future, very much up in the air. He's now venturing into the world of martial arts. He's a color commentator for the Upstart Karate Combat promotion. He's working with the great Boss Rudin. So we spoke to him about doing this gig, about whether or not he will play football again, about training with an MMA trainer named Tariq Azim, who's trained the likes of Luke Rockhold and Jake Shields, about all that stuff and more. It was a great conversation. But I also asked him about his infamous Super Bowl Media Day press conference where he showed up a few years ago and he just kept repeating, I'm just here so I won't get fined. And in fact, last week I thought of Marshawn, even before I knew I was going to talk to him, because Tyron Woodley showed up to the pre-fight press conference for the Colby Covington fight and kept repeating, uh, Black Lives Matter. And it reminded me a lot. Uh, the message was different, obviously, but it reminded me a lot of what Marshawn did several years ago. So I asked him about that, what the mindset is like of an athlete in that spot and about his memories. And if he knew about Tyron uh, doing this last week, here's what Marshawn had to say. There was a big fight last Saturday involving a guy named Tyron Woodley. Uh, He's a former champion. He was fighting a guy named Colby Covington and he showed up to the press conference on Thursday and didn't answer a single question. He just kept saying Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Did you see okay, that? Yeah, yeah. And it reminded us of you at the Super Bowl saying, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Everyone was talking about how this was like very reminiscent of that press conference. And I was wondering right. if you saw what Tyron did and if so, what you thought of it. I heard of it. I mean, I've not heard of it, but I, you know, I, I, I seen it through the, uh, through the, through the net. I mean, I just, I mean, realistically, I mean, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, what, when you one of them type of guys and you set in your mindset, like, I believe that all the outside, all the outside shit just don't, it don't do the same as, as, as it probably would have when it was, you know, you, you, you was feeling you needed to, to be in everybody's face. But when you make it about your, your craft, all of that shit just, it just falls to the waistline. And it's like, I mean, everybody know why I'm on the stage right now is to fight. So check me out. All this, all this, what they call it. Uh, jaw jacking or whatever like you know miss me with that shit let's get down to action you know what I mean so if you want to listen to my entire interview with Marshawn Lynch go to the uh, ESPN MMA YouTube channel youtube.com slash ESPN MMA you know Marshawn doesn't like to do media uh, and I wasn't sure what I'd get I didn't even know if he'd show up but we spoke for 20 plus minutes 
He was in a great mood. He was funny. We talked about a whole host of things. It was a lot of fun. Former Buffalo Bill, so I got a Bill mention in there. Uh, I know some of you people out there don't like the non-MMA talk. So if you do, go over to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel. Check it out. You will enjoy it. I can promise you that. All right. Now time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is time for TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. And as always, it is brought to you by Modelo. Modelo Especial. Setting the gold standard for authentic Mexican beer since 1925. Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit. TST's Minimalist Tip of the Week. Ariel, a common routine of many minimalists or the most successful people in the world in general is to have a morning routine. So this is something that a lot of minimalists do where routines are very... Uh, very good to have. I think many of the world's most famous, most successful people throughout history that I have studied, that I've read about or uh, listened to podcasts about, they all sing the praises of the morning routine. They often consist of some form of exercise or some form of journaling, perhaps meditation, writing, reading, some form of education, usually as the sun is coming up. So I suggest that if you do not have a morning routine in your life, that you identify some behaviors that you think uh, can be very soothing to you that involve a little more creative mindset or just something that gets you better. And I guarantee Israel Adesanya has a fight week routine. I think routines are very key to have for all minimalists and for all people. So get a morning routine. Ariel, do you have a morning routine? I, I do. Uh, it usually involves, you know, making my kids uh, lunch and breakfast and then taking them to school. And, and uh, once again, you and my wife, you guys would get along. She is big into routine. She loves routine. She she loves having, you know, a set, not schedule, but like a set certain things that you will do every single day. So she's big into that. And that includes exercising. She's big into exercising every single day, even if it's for 10 minutes. If you can only do 10 minutes, just do it because it's very important. So once again, you and Mrs. Helwani, Jacqueline, as, as uh, Daniel likes to remind us each and every week that he knows her name, but doesn't know my kid's name would uh, would get along maybe one of these days you two can meet for now yeah, though i, I would oh, love yes. to be invited over no sometime, no it's you know soon. watch uh, izzy win or... no 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 i mean it's a pandemic and everything we can't be within six feet of each other that whole thing but speaking of izzy he is returning to action this saturday it's him versus bohashinia paulo costa the eraser again espn plus pay-per-view 10 p.m eastern check it out whole host of things coming your way on saturday the usual pre-fight stuff so check that out as well Continue to rate, download, subscribe, review. You know what the drill is. I appreciate the support. Keep doing it. It means a lot. It helps a lot. Believe me, it does. Thank you very much to Valid Ishmael. Thank you very much to Marshawn Lynch. And of course, thank you very much to the great Michael Chandler. Congratulations to him. Thank you, TST. Thanks to all of you. Back next week, same time and place. Tell us, say, peace. I'm out of here. <laughs>